Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast, your number one resource. That's right, number one for board game news, discussion, and more from the world of tabletop gaming. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we get to our fantastic guests, as always, we got to check in with the fates and see what's going on with the roll of a die. That's Today's right. die is a dark gray with a red lettering. So maybe a, <laughs> a little ominous, but you know, sometimes that's a good thing. I like the way you described it. it makes me think of like Harry Potter wand. It has a Phoenix feather core. <laughs> you know, I bet in the world of Harry Potter, they actually have dice like that. In their, like wizards RPG. But we're doing well with an 18. That's really oh, good. Wow. Just shy of a critical hit. But right. that usually will pass things in most tests. It's a lot better than our one from last week. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited about the 18. I think it bodes well because joining our party today is the founder of Stonemeyer Games and designer of titles such as Viticulture, Scythe, and Red Rising. Please welcome to the show, Jamie Stegmeyer. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I, I am excited to talk to you guys today. And I love the dice roll. I just did a video on my YouTube channel about my favorite skill test in games the other day. So this is a perfect segue from my, my video literally just two days ago. <laughs> I guess I won't ask what your favorite one was. We'll make people go watch the video. <laughs> uh, but very exciting. Yes, we're all about the skill checks and tests of fate here at Roll for Crit. <laughs> and uh, yes, we have a lot of cool news stories that I'm very excited to hear everybody's thoughts on. So let's get into it in the news roundup. News roundup. Great. That's that's how we know it's time for the news is that sound. And uh, first up this week, Fantasy Flight Games announced a new title that has been rumored for a little while. This game is called Unfathomable, and it takes place on the SS Atlantica. It is part of the Arkham Horror Files line. So it's using the Arkham Lovecraft theme that Fantasy Flight likes to use. But it is essentially a remake slash new edition of the Battlestar Galactica board game, which is no longer in print because Fantasy Flight no longer has the rights to it. And that's been that way for a few years now. And finally, they're making use of it with this new theme. We haven't seen full details as to how it works, but it appears to be pretty close to the original only of course instead of being on a spaceship you are now on a boat at sea and instead of robots hiding amongst you there are some people who are going to be deep ones and you are going to have to hide yourself from or protect yourself from the deep ones while the deep ones are hiding amongst you and there are the core the core of the game as with Battlestar Galactica are uh, they, they call mythos cards or uh, crises or skill checks uh, you, you might say <laughs> where you players are going to be submitting cards to a vote so to speak in order to pass a check but of course the evil deep ones might be secretly putting in cards that are negative that will hurt them trying to make it so that the group loses uh, enough resources like food or sanity in this case uh, before they're able to reach their destination so battlestar galactica one of my favorite games of all time big big fan and uh th- this is this is them bringing it back in a big way with a very different theme i'm curious jamie if what your take is on the battlestar board game what you think about unfathomable or maybe more generally speaking the you know the idea of kind of re-theming games or taking an older game and giving it a, a different property yeah, I, yeah, lots to unpack there. Um, yeah, 
I guess in terms of taking an older theme and, and or older game and retheming it or updating it, I, I'm all for that. I, I think, uh, you know, people enter the, the hobby and the community all the time and they, they have this long backlog of, of games that they may never even get to the table if they're out of print or they're just not on people's minds anymore. So I, I love uh, what Fantasy Flight is doing there in terms of the theme and, and renewing this game. And I think the, the box art, at least, that's what I've seen so far, looks beautiful. Mm. Um, my experience with the, the original game, I think I played two or three times. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit um, with the one caveat being the length of the game. I'm typically someone who likes games that play around 90 minutes to two hours. That's just personal preference. And I I think games have trended towards that shorter playing time, at least lower than like, you know, five hours, four hours. And so I was a little surprised to see that they seem to be sticking with a three to four hour playing time, which seemed a little long to me. Did that, uh, did that stand out to you guys or, or does uh, the length of the game not bother you at all? Uh, it, it's certainly a game that you got to say, this is the game for tonight slash today. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that's yeah. before you even add like, the, what was it? The new Cylons? I forget what they're called again. Right. Like, any of right. the other, yeah, the expansions and stuff. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely a little surprised that it's. I'm assuming they're going to be streamlining the game in some ways, but it's, it's in, in some ways, it's. I'm sure for a lot of people, it's reassuring that they're, you know, that they're not quote unquote. Some people might be worried about them dumbing the game down or something like that. Yeah. I, I, for me, part of the experience is kind of the length. Is that the longer it goes on, you know, you, you start to really get immersed and get tense and you might actually get into fights with people. <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> like that. Um, but I, yeah, it is, I wouldn't have minded like, uh, like right. The, the box time is two to four hours. I probably could have been okay with two to three as like mm-hmm. they were aiming. Like it doesn't have to be that long. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little surprising. What, what do you think, Will, about, about the changes maybe that they have seemed to be making or not making, or what, what would you like to see them change? Well, first off, in terms of the time thing, I think it's better that they did say the four because just sometimes, especially when you have a trader game that isn't designed to be short, they can just be a long time of everyone discussing things. And then, you mm-hmm. know, if someone doesn't reveal right away and really plays a long game, it becomes a long game. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on what events and I, I assuming if it's close, like the travel deck. You know, sometimes you just ha- you don't get the cards that make allow humans to make long jumps. We've right. seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In terms of the reskinning, it's one of those things. I think this is. I feel bad for fans of Battlestar because in a perfect world, there aren't a lot of Battlestar games, and I do think, even without watching, I think it encapsulated the show very well. Mm-hmm. I've never heard someone who likes Battlestar being like, "It's an okay game." <laughs> that said, you know. It is also a license. You never know what happens with these things. So being able to have the mechanics of the game, and as as you stated, John, that's one of your favorites. It's a very well done game for if you love, especially if you love the trader mechanic, to be brought back so people don't have to hunt down and probably pay a very hefty price for right. a copy of the Battlestar one. To be able to have this on shelves is, I think, overall a, a good thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely overall positive. I mean, I'm very glad that because you know, for like we said for years, I would I had to I couldn't recommend my favorite game to people. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, this is this is my favorite game. You cannot buy it unless you spend three hundred dollars. <laughs> yes, and uh, by the way, I will uh, preface. I'm trying not to be biased because I love the Arkham Horror Files line in general. Usually, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it, it's 
it's hard not to be like, it's this is my theme. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. How come we haven't seen uh, uh, any Lovecraft games yet out of Stonemeyer? I mean, <laughs> it's public domain. Where's that? <laughs> is that? Is that in the works somewhere? <laughs> Fantasy Flight does it so well. I, I don't know. We have, mm. we have a game that might touch upon it a little bit, but not fully embrace it the way, the way they, they have, because they, they do it so well. We're it's not going to get a uh, Lovecraft scythe. Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can, we can only hope. But yeah, like I said, yeah, I I kind of I have pretty mixed feelings about it because I do love Battlestar Galactica and part of the reason that I love it as you said is because I was a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. And I think for that reason nothing will ever replace that original game for me just because I I think that game is such an amazing marriage of theme and mechanics like it's it does it so well in in terms of feeling like the things you're doing make sense in the game logic uh i i think it's it really is clear that they thought very hard about how all that needed to work and this game may very well be better like objectively more streamlined easier to play who knows how what improvements they've made so i'm excited to try it uh but also part of me is bitter because you know i'm like <laughs> right which one do i play now i don't know it's well not fair. I, I mean we'll obviously see what happens and i have a feeling jonathan like assuming it's not a cards written thing like oh this rule seems really nice okay we're just gonna add it to our oh you think play the battle star maybe you'll be able to do that kind of thing maybe. i i don't see that being uh i mean it's worth taking a look at when we do um the one thing i would love to know if they ever do like a developer's uh article or something was did they go straight to arkham horror mm. like was it like mm. all right we're going straight here did they ever look at any of their other things because you know i love arkham horror but i also think they need so, netrunner could show some love get some love I think that world is still ripe for plenty of more games. And I'm just curious whether they they did test out with other things. Maybe Key even Forgica? A, <laughs> well, you know what? Key Forge is so weird. That probably wouldn't be too hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're, on the, you're on a Star Destroyer, and some people are working for the dark side. <laughs> I mean. some, some are dis. You don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely and I I think overall like the idea of being on a ship is definitely cool and like an actual boat. Um I think I think they probably made the best choice for that theme honestly even though I think there is a it's easy to say that maybe it feels a little lazy cuz they have so many um Arkham games. I I do mm-hmm. think it fits pretty well. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's one of those things just when like it's hard when not even just Arkham Lovecraft in general, like it's hard not to see Cthulhu if you walk into a board game store. <laughs> so I, I, it's one of those things where I think it's not the game's fault by itself. But like I said, I'd just be curious if they did. What was that? How did they get from Battlestar to here? I, I would just love to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, $80 is the retail price for this one. And it's uh, scheduled for a September release. So probably right around Gen Con, which is now in September. Um, so we will, we will find out and they're going to, of course, have more previews leading up to it along the way. So we'll see exactly what's changed, how much it's changed and how much that's going to impact our, our opinions on the final, on the final game. Uh, next let's, let's look at pretty much the exact opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> uh, in terms of complexity. Uh, the Kinderspiel des Jahres 
winner has been announced for 2021. This is the famous German board game award specifically for kids games. And the winner has been announced as Dragomino, the kids version of King Domino, wherein it's a tile laying game. You are matching up different colors of tiles. And in this one, there are little dragons and you get little dragon eggs that give you points if you have baby dragons on your tiles. And the uh, the jury said, quote, Dragomino is an impressive example of how you can turn a family game into a children's game, uh, which I, I think is kind of interesting because yeah, King Domino is already fairly light. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware. I didn't remember from years past, I guess that they don't announce the spiel and Kenner spiel at the same time. It's actually two different juries um, who give out these awards. Uh, so we don't know the other awards just yet, but Jamie, are you, have you had the chance to perhaps play Dragomino or what do you think about the, uh, you know, what, what it takes to win, uh, the, the Kinderspiel, like a kid's game award? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And we, I don't, at Stillmire Games, I don't, I don't focus much on the awards at all. Um, especially not for kids games, but, mm-hmm. um, I think I, I I don't know. I'm happy for if it's important to this company that they win it. That's great. I have not played it. I played King Domino. King Domino looks like it won the 2017 Spiel des Jahres. Mm. Um, so t- to me, I don't know. It seems a little odd that a very similar sequel to an already light game would win the award again, especially given the amount of exposure this co- could have provided to a game that people hadn't already heard of. Mm. I don't know. Uh, but at the same time, I'm sure the designer worked hard on it, so I, I don't want to bemoan them. Let's see if the designer was the same. Bruno Cathala designed yeah. King Domino. He did Queen Domino. Did he do Dragomino? It looks also like there was two other. I see Marie and Wilfried Fort also on the box. So maybe they, maybe his his name might be on there from the design, but maybe they are the ones who kind of adapted it. Okay. okay. But I'm I'm just totally guess speculating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's inter- it is interesting. I, maybe part of that is due to the fact that, like I said, it's it's two different juries, so maybe they mm. just don't even they're not even like thinking about that because they're not right. And they, yeah, I've thought about this, and I do think two juries make sense in particular because when you look at kids' games, even like if something works for a family, I'm sure sometimes like n- this award really is designed. For if like a bunch of kids around the table, like you don't need mom or dad or whatever to sort of guide you along. Yeah. So, but that said, could have they have just, even if they said like, this is the winner, like the council agreed, couldn't they have waited until the others decided to, <laughs> I just feel like it would, it feel almost hurts a little bit. Cause I like to get it all together in this way. It's like, here are the games with this, like it's of equal stature. Now it feels like, by the way, here's the kid game. You right. Can ignore it until. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know if I'm getting Mandela affected or or what. Like I don't remember <laughs> the the announcements being that far apart in years past. But granted, you know, this year's weird. Maybe that. It's been as yes. It's been about a decade in the past year, or so I don't know <laughs> my memory of what's been happening. Um. But but it's but it's interesting to hear. Uh, you know, from I think from a developer's perspective, uh, Jamie is. I mean, from I mean, your own company is no stranger to getting awards. But as you said, you don't. I think it's the healthy mindset not to think about them because you don't want to. Yeah. Uh, you want to make a product that's that's right for you and not be trying to garner awards. But do you do you 
ever like follow the spiel des Yares and those things in general, just out of maybe curiosity at the very least of keeping up with, uh, you know, what the trends are. I definitely out of curiosity. Yeah. Maybe not the kids category, but the, uh, the, the two higher categories, I'm definitely interested in what, um, what games end up there. And, and every now and then it seems like one slips in, I would say once a year, one of the three is a game that I have not even heard of, which is very odd. Cause like you guys, I very, very closely follow the industry. And so that always piques my curiosity when I find out about that one. I just finished playing The King's Dilemma, which was, I think, oh. one of the nominees from last year. Had a lot of fun with that. So, yeah, I am, I'm curious about it. And I, I guess I should put out there that for this award in particular, there's no, like, applying for it. You don't, you don't pitch your game to the judges or you don't submit it. It's just, like, if your game is published in Germany, it is it, – it, it can be selected. Uh, and, and it's completely independent of the designer. So – it's not like Bruno reached out to the, to the judges and said, hey, I, this is important to me, rather than it went, went the other way around. So it's, it's very separate from right. what publishers do. I know that of. can cause some weird, and we've discussed this before, like regional things are like, that game's been out for a while, yeah, you know, yeah. because it didn't come out. But <laughs> right. I also like it because then it's not like publishers playing the, like, we're going to submit this game because it's more likely to win, even if this one's like different and right. Mm. Uh, for lack right. of a better term, interesting. Right. Um, and yeah, this is know. very different than Mensa. I, Mensa is the opposite. For Mensa, you have to apply. You have to actually pay money to apply for Mensa's award. Mm. And I did it the first. I did it for Euphoria because I didn't know all that. And then I, I kind of I was like, wow, this does not feel subjective in any way. It feels like I just paid for this award, which was not my intention when I submitted Euphoria for it. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting, though, different way these things work. And I, yes, like you, I'm uh, there's always at least one, if not all three <laughs> nominees that I'm just baffled by. I'm like, yeah. where did this come from? What what is this? And then in six months, it's like, you know, it's everywhere and everybody's right. raving about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if, if I've heard of like one out of the three Spiel nominees, I'm like, this is a good year. I really I did a good <laughs> job. I did my homework. <laughs> um, so Dragomino, I think that's available widely in the U.S., uh, right now so uh, look look out for it if you have kids uh, or probably even just I mean King Domino I think probably kids could still play uh, maybe maybe just a few years older uh, but there aren't any cute dragons in it I guess <laughs> mm, yeah that that's a, you gotta knock points off for that. that that hurts it a little bit and last story this week the game Orléans or Orleans, as I would say, as an American who doesn't know any better. Uh, this is a game that takes place in medieval France, a bag building game wherein you're taking different workers, drawing them out of a bag and assigning them to get resources, uh, you know, build your empire, etc. cetera. Uh, pretty popular game, had a couple of expansions. It's been announced that Capstone Games uh, now has the license to print this game and they are going to do so along with its expansions. It doesn't sound like this, their, their new version will have much change to it, although it will have uh, more components in it. So you can play with up to five players instead of four. Maybe there's other component changes or rules changes, but they haven't, I don't think announced any of that as of yet. And I mean, what's, what's really interesting about this to me is that Orléans was kind of a, kind of a crown jewel for tasty minstrel games mm -hmm. uh, for a long time that they published. And we've been, there have been a couple of kind of rumblings and stories here and there that maybe tasty minstrel uh, isn't doing so hot in some, some regards. And this seems like 
maybe not a good sign for them, although there hasn't been any direct, uh, no statement about it or anything like that from them. Just Capstone's announcement. Jamie, are you are are, are you an Orléans fan? And uh, I mean, what do you th- how do you think about this? You know, as it affects as it could affect publishers, the the changing of hands of of, of licenses to games like this. I yeah, I'm a big fan of Orléans. Um, I, I really, really like the game to the point that literally like just, I would say four days ago, last late last week, our shareholders, a few of our shareholders asked if, if, if uh, still our games should try to acquire early on. And then mm-hmm. someone else chimed into the chat and was like, Nope, uh, Capstone just got it. And so it, it, uh, wow. it was it somehow randomly came up on a red. It probably wasn't something that we, that we could have done. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's a game that I really, really love. And um, I don't know, it, 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 there are very few games, game companies that, that actually end up buying any other game companies. Like there's not a really an egg, a, bit, a, a good exit strategy for board game companies. You basically just make games for as long as you can. And then maybe you slowly, slowly go out of business or you just stop making games. And so one of the ways that a game company can essentially have a, a decent return on investment is to sell a successful IP. So I completely understand Tasty Mitchell doing that. It, it, and you're right. It might be a sign for that Tasty Mitchell is trying to get out of the business or just trying to, um, I don't know, make their lives a little bit easier somehow, but they probably got a decent chunk of money for this game and, and good to them for, for doing that. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think, Will? What do you think, Tasty Minstrel wise? You know, we we it was a story we talked about uh, maybe a couple months ago where there was apparently some um, issues with uh, someone who had a game license to them not receiving payment, which mm. kind of shed them in a bad light. But but then they they did resolve it quickly to their credit once it was uh, okay. sort of made public. Uh, but do you, do you think this is is that another sign of of bad things to come, or are you just excited about Orleans? <laughs> Caps. Well. From what I can tell, it sounds like they still have a bit of a backlog from a, for a bunch of Kickstarter stuff. Mm. And of course, you know, the last few years have probably been up and down for some companies. Sometimes some good, some sales not as much. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was sort of a, this is, as you said, a crown, crown jewel, really important, but we need the capital to finish off at least what, we're, what we promised. I don't know if it's like a death knell per se, but it's hopefully it's all they'll need to do. I don't know how much more, you know, I I don't have the secret documents in front of me yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't, you know, I'd hate to, I don't want to be like the, uh, I feel like a a TMZ reporter. Like, What does this mean? They're dead, right? Um, I don't want to be like, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think, I don't think it is. Because they still have other games out there, and if if this is all they needed, I don't know how much how much a title sells for. But at the very least, then if they can get their backlog, because then if they do do that, everyone's like, "Look, they're, they did the, they did what they promised to do, even if there were some problems along the way," which of course would then help them out, and then they can probably promote their other games. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But what, what I am curious about, <laughs> since you brought it up, Jamie, yeah. if you did get uh orleans how would you like or i guess just or even in general another title of a game like how would you handle a reprint of it like would you try to keep it as close to the original art is would you be like we're gonna do we're gonna completely re redo the looks and components like how would you handle bringing in like a something like this an already established title 
under Stonemeyer? I think it would depend on the game. Um, and there's maybe something that we could talk about next year that's a lot more specific. But for Orleans, Orleans specifically, uh, I wouldn't change much. I think the only thing I would do as a publisher is uh, use wooden pieces instead of cardboard. Um, and beyond that, I, I don't know if I would I would change much. I think they, the original, I think the, the the art style works for the game. I think I think a, a, so many elements of the game work. I, maybe the one thing I would do is. Uh, you know, kind of do my homework, research what, if any, any of the major consistent patterns of criticisms are of the game and maybe address them or probably address them if I do find right. any. I'm sure there's like one yeah. or two weird rules or something that exactly. like, we tweak this. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's interesting that I, I feel like I can almost get the sense uh, of that this is the game that you would like from what I, from what I know about you and your uh design tastes and it yeah it, it does seem like a good um it, it could have been a good a good stone miner but now it's now yeah. capstone got Capstone got it so yeah uh moot point and it does it looks like they are indeed keeping uh you know the art the same i'm guessing the components mostly are going to be the same which is probably the right choice because i also just think it's it's like an iconic look at this right. point you know it's it's like remember when they um I think it was Tasty Minstrel, in fact, that um, did a new new edition of the game Coliseum. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was them with new art. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, I actually kind of liked the new art. But anytime you get a game like that, that's so a lot of people love and you make a big change to the look of it, that can be kind of uh, dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we will find out. Uh, this is also scheduled for release around September. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll see if, if there's any more news on Tasty Minstrel Front. Of course, it goes without saying that you know the, also the last year has been, as we kind of mentioned, has been pretty turbulent. So I'm I'm sure it's 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 a lot of different publishers and people in different industries are going through some of this stuff. Yeah. So that is our news roundup. Next, we're going to move in to Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. That's right. This part of the show, we each are going to choose one Kickstarter project currently out there, uh, or could be any crowdfunding site uh, that involves tabletop gaming that we're following slash interested in. Jamie, what is your pick for us this week? My pick is a game adjacent project called The Bard Chronicles, a Dungeons and Dragons rap album. A combination of words that I never thought I would I would say, but. Um, <laughs> it's such an odd project. Have you guys happened to watch the project video for this project? I did check it out a little, a little bit. Yes. And um, it's, yes, it's, it's very, it's very intriguing to me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically a, a, a DM, a dungeon master who, um, who is also, who also loves to rap and is very talented at it. And he wants to make an album and he is now successfully doing it. He, he, he is funded. He wants to make an album of 10 songs about D adventures and i just i just love every aspect of that i and, and in particular i love that the music is really good it's not he's not like poking fun at D at all i think there's some uh uh bands that do that and are, have been successful in doing that poking fun at kind of the, the game industry and having fun with those songs he is serious about it he knows his stuff and he's very talented and i've watched the video like three times now because i just like the song in the video i <laughs> it just works for me and i I yeah, I'm a backer. I'm I'm really really excited about it. 
that's great. Yeah, yeah. It 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 seems like a lot of fun, and I I think that there's there's room for projects like this. Yeah, that are exciting to me. Um, if if they yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say like what well, you're mentioning how like and he knows and that wasn't just making fun of it. That is right. always something I feel bothers me a little bit when sometimes people are like, why don't you like this? It's about what you love. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm the punchline. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's not that he's celebrating. They're not laughing with me. Right. So I think that's, it's a small thing, but I think it's an important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. That was, what was the very popular TV show that did that? Um, big bang, the theory? Big, big bang theory. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's where my mind went uh, for sure. Um, so the Bard Chronicles, the Bard Chronicles. Uh, and if I recall correctly, it's like you can back it for just a dollar, right? And you get the digital files. Yeah. I actually think he undersold himself a little bit there. I backed at that level, but for $10, because I figured a dollar per song is reasonable. You can also back for a full CD. Um, and that's 25, but I kind of want the digital version. I, I don't really want the CD version, but if you want to, mm-hmm. you could put extra money in there if you, if you think it's his talent, um, deserves it and I, I think it does yeah i'm a i'm a weird dinosaur so i still sometimes buy physical cds people left <laughs> i'm just a pessimist when it comes to that stuff because I, I just like i like i had the physical thing because you never know when they're like we digitally removed whatever you liked and stuff so <laughs> i, I oh, need yeah. backups on some kind of a streaming service yeah i mean now i mean i'm kind of, i'm kind of curious i'm gonna ask jamie if this was a in any way like a a diplomatic choice of uh, not wanting to uh, talk about specific games or anything. Since you're a designer, you're in the industry and everything like that. Do you, do you often like look at Kickstarters? Do you ever back projects or do you kind of stay away from the game focused ones? Oh no. Oh yeah. I, I follow them quite closely. It just, it happened to a line where at, when you asked that, that was the only game related project that I was actually backing. I guess I, I'm backing the Isle of Cats expansion, but that has a million dollars. I don't really, I don't know. I, I hope it does well, but it's doing very well. I also backed the Tussie Mussie expansion recently, but that's over. Oh, yeah. And just today I backed First Ascent, which is a rock climbing board game, but uh, I don't know much about it yet. I just backed it because I like rock climbing and the game looks pr- pretty solid. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. So lots yeah. of good, lots of good recommends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It seems like we are in a little bit of a lull compared to like a f- couple months ago when they were just hitting us all over the place with giant projects. Yeah. A uh, little bit crazy. Will, what's about you? You got a Kickstarter pick? I do have a Kickstarter pick and okay. my pick is, I'm going to scroll back to the top of it. Arkham Archives, the complete collection. This is a collection of stories, each one its own separate book. That is, if you haven't guessed in the title, has Lovecraft inspiration. Each one, though, is a sort of a puzzle game. You'll actually be using a deck of cards and depending on the story, tokens in different ways to try and, well, find your way out of whatever situation you find yourself in. For example, the first one, you're exploring some ancient archive, not archives, sorry, like temples, ruins, ruins, yes. I don't know why I could not think of that word. (laughs) Um Second one, though, you're caught in a laboratory and you have to try to escape. So they each really cover different themes. And I just love the idea, of course, of a complete collection. We actually, I can't remember what we talked about last week, but we were talking about how we like having a full set and just look nice together. And plus, mm-hmm. in a book form, I think it's a little different. Uh, and of course, I'm a big fan of narrative games, but the fact it's more of a book form instead of a 
a large game where you have to try to hope to get everyone together at the table mm-hmm. for multiple sessions in a row is probably a little bit nice <laughs> and a bit of a right. break for everyone. Granted, we're all trying to get out and see people now, so maybe not the best. But when you get tired of that, you can come back to these books. <laughs> yeah, I think I glanced at this and I didn't really, I thought it was just like, uh, narr- like narrative or like, um, like straight narrative or like a role playing thing. I didn't realize it was, it's, it's more like a, a game like like an escape room kind of choose your own adventure type of thing uh from i think a better analogy would be more like um maybe point and click okay yeah kind mm. of th- thing going on like you got to pass puzzles and stuff i don't know it's like full choose your own adventure kind of thing but or at least i i don't want to give it as much crazy variety as like the uh well the choose your own adventure game you know the ones right. we've played before <laughs> right now right. as of this recording um Depending when this goes up, it may be done, but there is an early bird special for $43. You'll probably have a few hours left, uh, depending when this goes up, but Mm -hmm. otherwise there are other levels. I think the non-early bird, are they all say early bird? Oh, they're only showing the early bird right now. So who knows what it will cost (laughs) tomorrow? (laughs) But my guess is different le- there's going to be a 48 hour and a 72 hour so you might mm-hmm. be able to get in on something so i think a fun thing but sort of a little bit of a bonus but it, they're not out yet <laughs> i just want to say as we've talked about before gamefound's trying to get their way into the uh to the crowdfunding business and there mm. are a whole bunch of previews yeah. i don't know if you've seen these jonathan yeah out there yeah. that you you probably want to take a look at some of them we've got of course, from Portal Games, one uh, company we love, their football manager game. Right, 11. Right. We've got some crazy ones like called Wild Ascent, which has this really awesome dinosaur. And I think one that's going to make a lot of money, Masters of the Universe, Fields of Eternia, based on what can mm. I assume to be the new Netflix Masters of the Universe show coming mm. uh, coming very soon. And of course, there's two minis on there. So I already like, okay, 80s minis. <laughs> I think they got I think they're gonna get it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. GameFound is deaf. They're pushing hard. I heard they they updated some updates to their site. I think they're gonna at some point soon open it so it's like, you know, public submission, just like Kickstarter is. So yeah, they're really trying to take a piece of that pie. Uh, but we'll we'll follow those once they're actually available as well. And I guess I will just I'll end up with my pick, which will be the only um, I guess I'll be the one who just say an actual game that you can <laughs> has actual <laughs> gameplay. Uh, and that is this one called Forests of Pangaea, which is a beautiful looking game uh, where you are trying to spread your, um, you know, your influence in a forest. You're all forest spirits and you have these little beautiful wooden tree minis. And you plant them from seeds across different tiles on the board um, with different that all have different elements associated with them. And at, you can s- collect elements and spend them to grow your trees, which means adding more uh, parts to them. So like just taller little cones. So they become taller trees and they're like all you can unassemble and reassemble them. So it's the same tree, but you add things to it to get higher. And then sometimes your trees maybe will die and they'll leave a seed behind and you can grow from that again. And you're trying to like build, grow trees in certain patterns and pathways in order to gain points. And you also have this forest spirit you're moving around to influence, you know, and allow you to spread and grow seeds in different parts of the region. 
it kind of reminds me of photosynthesis just from the look mm -hmm. of it. It's like that sort of beautiful components with trees but different kind of gameplay i guess like an area control thing but just the look of it is really really beautiful it done it doesn't look too taxing it looks like you know perhaps one of these kind of relatively zen-like competitive games that just stands out great on a table that uh, you know maybe is maybe will end up not being so amazing in terms of its gameplay i don't know without having tried it yet but looking at it it looks really good so it, yeah i mean i saw this one too and it was like oh i i decided to lean on the books but this does look really adorable just from the pieces alone and the stacking idea sounds pretty cool and those four spirit minis i mean i just feel like i'm the, the it's the four spirit from uh <laughs> from princess mononoke yes yeah. i mean <laughs> There's yeah. something about we just love deers with more like too many antlers. We just love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's our that's our favorite things. I mean, this I don't know if you got a chance to check, look at this one, Jamie, but it looks like a. It, it's sort of it's to me it makes me think of, of kind of the a level of components that a Stonemeyer game might have. Very 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 elegant, very pretty. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, I agree. The the trees in particular are really really beautiful. Yeah, it's a it's a nice looking one. So that's uh, Forests of Pangaea, and that one goes for sixty dollars uh, for the standard edition. There's other stuff you can add on if you want to back that one now. And uh, those are our Kickstarter picks this week. Now we are going to uh, say goodbye to Jamie Stegmeyer, who has been uh, gracious to spend uh, this part of the show with us. And but before you go, and before then we continue the show, we're gonna ask you. Where can people follow you online and keep up with all the new Stonemeyer releases? Uh, I mean, the the hub of everything is StonemeyerGames.com. That's where I, you know, all of the information about our games is there. I also have my my Kickstarter crowdfunding entrepreneurial blog is there. If people want to learn about game design, I have a game design YouTube channel that's also linked there. And on Instagram at Jamie Stegmeyer, I share a lot about the games that I'm playing and the food that I'm eating and the, the cats that I'm taking care of. Um, yeah, so, yeah, various places. And on Facebook, if you're interested in like one specific Stonemaier game, we have Facebook groups for all of our games. So if you're a big uh, Pendulum fan, there's a Pendulum Facebook group that you can hang out in. Perfect. Yeah, check all that out. We'll put links uh, in the show notes. And maybe before you go, if you could just real quick, just give us one top secret exclusive upcoming game. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean, the, the next thing that we have is roll is the tabletop version of Rolling Realms, like not the print and play version, which is a game that I designed at the beginning of the pandemic and ended up deciding to print. And so it's not a secret. I know it's not. You, you'd love to have a, a fun secret thing, but that is a that is a real thing that'll be coming up in a few months after the the printing is complete that's our cool. next thing and that's people can like try that out right now right the, the, the print and play version the print and play version yeah we did tweak a little bit uh, some things to the final version and the final version looks a lot nicer on the table than a single piece of paper but yes it's something that someone can download and play for free on our website whenever they want yeah cool. I, I would hope a little bit it looks better than <laughs> my, my terrible printer <laughs> yeah 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 i think that that would be for the best it's also e3 happened this week and yeah. you ever play any video games jamie do you follow any of that stuff i don't play many video games but i do follow them as a designer quite a bit and i have been working on for a long long time a cooperative open world game that that is inspired by zelda breath of the wild and it's taken me so long to make it that they're actually they just announced with zelda breath of the wild 2 uh, <laughs> today and i saw that trailer and i was like oh man 
I'm going to get so many new ideas from this. It's going to make my game even more delayed. But I'm really All right, everyone, that. you're placing your bets now. <laughs> Who will actually finish their game first? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's still 50-50 right now. I think the odds are pretty equal. Uh, well, that's fantastic. That, that's, that's some juicy news right there. All right. Very excited. Uh, can't wait to see more from you. Thank you again for joining us. And it's been good to talk to you as always. Always, yeah. always fun to hear from you. And we look forward to trying uh, Rolling Realms and all your other stuff in the future. Awesome. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. All right. Take care, Bye. guys. So we've just bid adieu to Jamie Stegmeier. Now that he's gone, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about how much I hate Red Hmm. Rising. (laughs) No, not not really. Not really. Of course, I'm not going to do that. Love Red Rising. Good game. Um, But we are going to continue on with the show. uh, Just the two of us for the rest of our regular remaining segments, including fan favorite Table Talk. I've decided it's a fan favorite now. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I will say I'm actually really excited about this because I feel like our table talks are going to be a bit more interesting, not just because we're going to play more games because we're returning to regular game nights. It will wow. actually be what we named this original segment from. But also, it, for us, it will be less stressful because we're going to get people to come to us without begging. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, begging. <laughs> couldn't You couldn't beg. <laughs> they weren't allowed to. Uh, yes, uh, we're, in the, we're in the new vaccinated future, and we are ha- taking part in regular game nights. I, uh, well, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'm confident enough yet to say regular, but we're <laughs> going to try to have more game nights going forward. A whole lot better than the last few months. We can say that. Yeah, it's just, you know, well, so you'll hopefully be hearing less about our uh, solo games, although that's sometimes interesting, too. And indeed, we had a game night. Uh, let's talk, talk about some of the stuff that we played for our, our, one of our first game nights back. Uh, just a, just a three player game night, two of us and one friend, but, uh, we, we took out some s- sort of some old classics with perhaps a couple of new twists on them. Didn't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you so, want to start with? Hmm, you know what? We're going to start with the one that we played second, but okay. it's one that has hit our table often. Though there was some confusion whether or not people have played with the expansion. (laughs) And that's XCOM the board game. If you don't know anything about this game, uh, it's based on the video game XCOM. In this one, though, there is an app. Usually use the laptop, though. You can use a phone, I think. We've always used a PC, a laptop of a sort. And Mm -hmm. each player actually takes a role of either like a scientist. um, I can't remember the other roles. Pretty much someone controls satellites. One person controls like the troops. And one is in charge of the app, but usually you can, that guy can be combined with someone else. It's, and, traditionally, there's four roles, you're, but, but yes. you could, you'll double up if there's less than four players. And pretty much you'll start the app and there's a time period where you have like maybe 15, 10 to 15 seconds each time to be like, scientists, choose a tech to research or assign troops to this. And you have to like try to keep up with that and there is also money, so you can't overspend. So you have to watch that as well. And of course, there'll be other fun things the aliens will throw at you. Now, the expansion adds a few more things. Uh, you get, obviously, some new tech cards, and you also get these cool human mechs, which are pretty much wild cards compared to your, like, specific snipers, assaults. But you also have these, uh, well, not espionage. Um, They're called exalt tokens. Exalt, that's it. Which pretty much make tasks even more difficult and more likely to fail. 
and yeah. as well as um, other annoying things, including the, your base as it gets slowly gets destroyed, may destroy other things as well. I'd say that the general flow of the game, if anyone doesn't know, is as you said, this app round where you're kind of putting pieces into place, and then once the timer runs out, you have a resolution phase, which is now resolving each of the tasks you've set up by rolling a certain number of dice and hoping for success symbols. But each time you roll, threat gets higher, and there's a, a threat, an alien threat die, and if that number is too high, then the whole thing fails. So there's a bit of a push your luck deciding how much you can put forward and how much you want to roll uh, to risk lose it because a lot of times your troops will die for example if you fail the roll so um it, there, there's definitely a lot of that uh dice rolling element to it it is it is very heavy on <laughs> dice rolling <laughs> and yeah as you said we've played this a lot and I, I i'm pretty sure we have played with the expansion but i just had no memory of the stuff that was in it and uh, there, there's different roles. I, I played this time as the scientist who my, my job is essentially to uh, find tech cards and try to research them so that I can hand them out to other players and give them cool bonuses. Basically, I'm a support role. And you are the military, which is really the way you win. <laughs> you, you are the most, I think, arguably the most important aspect of the game You, yes. in, ter in terms of actually winning. Technically speaking, if I do nothing, you actually cannot win. Right. <laughs> yes, you probably won't win if someone else does nothing either, but like... Probably, but it's hypothetically possible. <laughs> and like you said, we've, we've played this a bunch. It was kind of nice to come back to it. Um, and I, it's a game that I, I really loved when we first played it. Uh, really kind of blew me away, honestly, when we first got the chance to play it. It was at a Gen Con. And... I think it's a, a pretty good design. Having played it a lot, you know, it's it's a game that we've just played a lot. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's luster has worn off a little bit. I, I was interesting this time playing it. I, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but my role, the scientist, I feel like among our group at least is often like a, a role people want. It seems like a coveted role. You want to know why? <laughs> Yeah, why? <laughs> because it's the it's the least pressure. You right. build up stuff, and even if you fail, your scientists don't die. They're like, uh, oh, they're tired. Right. But if I fail the role of the troops, well, guess what? I just lost half our army. <laughs> I definitely didn't have to remember nearly as much as you did and <laughs> how to play this game. And yeah. On the opposite side, though, like as the soldiers, like, all right, guys, I made it past this role. Like, yes, I'm the win condition, but the, usually it's like. We get to keep playing. You? All right. I succeeded. So you now get to roll 50 dice. And I made it so you get to live. So you can all thank me. <laughs> it's all this great benefit with none of the, the terrible things. It's fantastic. I will say, though, as a counterpoint to this, uh, what I found in this instance, playing as the scientist, it, I, I felt very um, – sometimes I felt like I had too little to do. Um, you know, during the timed phase, there's one section where you draw, where you set a card up and basically the rest of the timed phase while everyone else is like panicking, like, where should I put a troop? How much money should I spend on this and that? I'm just like reading my cards, like, mm, this might be useful. I'll try to build that and hope for the best, but there's, I don't have a ton of decisions to make outside of that. And sometimes I kind of felt like it was as if, and it's as if you're playing a deck building game 
only my role is just to build the deck and your role is to actually get to play with the cards. <laughs> like I'm, I get to decide which cards you play with, but I don't get to play with them. Uh, so I was, I was kind of happy because it was late and I was tired and I don't know that I, my brain would have been able to handle the military stuff you were doing. So I was like into it, but there was a little part of me that was like, it is kind of, it is a little underwhelming. I, I don't know if it was just, uh, you know, maybe I, I'm not, I wasn't operating on a level of like remembering all the cards and I could have been digging more for specific items that I know would be helpful or something like that. But it's definitely less intensive for, for better or worse. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, that's, it can, it can fit some groups, but there were definitely, I definitely felt the least um, needed. <laughs> like I felt like <laughs> someone else could have just like, rolled my dice and probably like picked a few cards out of my hand and I wouldn't have been well it's probably another one that could be combined pretty well if you did two player I guess yeah I mean I guess I'm I'm more I got to be more essential than the first role that they say literally the one person just like controls the app pretty much (laughs) maybe it's just a a factor of how much we've played the game Mm -hmm. so it's like I know the roles so well that I can kind of be like all right I know how this works you know I don't need to like pay as much attention whereas maybe once you're if you're new we, I, I don't know. I don't remember if we've ever tried as a group the hard mode. We, we keep playing on normal because I'm always afraid, but that might just be the next step. I don't know that that would really affect what I said. It would just make me more stressed, but I think I would still be <laughs> doing the same things. <laughs> you probably need to be a bit more careful about what you actually research first. Maybe there's a bit more luck in what you draw. But... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so the XCOM, the board game I, we were talking about, I, I do think, I still think it's a, it's a good design and I would like to see an expansion, another expansion. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was talking about how like XCOM two came out a while ago. Yeah. There honestly, plenty of stuff from that. I'd like to see X, a standalone sequel, like maybe not a new edition. Because it is pretty, it's still relatively new, at least. Well, I don't know. We're old, so maybe it's not that new anymore, but uh, maybe something that kind of like the dead of winter long night or like the uh, captain is dead has different standalone entries. Like it's a different set. I of can enemies, see that because in different XCOM roles. two, you know, it's not like your base is moving. So maybe that could be part of it. Also, you know, if this game was made today, it would have a campaign in it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's an easy one that they could do. But, uh, Going into maybe my pessimism, you know, Fantasy Flight now doesn't make a game that isn't just Arkham Horror or. <laughs> I'm actually, it... I wonder, you know, we we're just, as we we're just talking about it, I wonder if the license for this, if and when it's supposed to lapse. I mean, they do have an advantage that they are still making, I think, XCOM games, whereas Battlestar is not a show anymore. So not nearly as valuable, but mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. And and then what what did we play first, though? Yes, and this is the thing. This definitely fell under games we were dying to play when we all got together, and I was glad you brought it and also pretty much did not listen to any advice we gave in our last uh, discussion. Right, of which games to start with for a, for your first game night back. Yeah, because, you know, we were talking about start simple, go slow steady. We start with dominant species marine. Now, I think the reason, part of the reason this is, one, it was a smaller group that you know we have the... It's me and our other player is the kind of person who's like, he loves Eclipse. He loves, you know, Twilight and Peter. Like, he's the one who can handle the heaviest of heavy games. Yes, for sure. Without question. And I also think you 
which I'm sure you're going to talk about a little bit later, got primed a little bit because you had like an unofficial game night week in essence <laughs> to build up. So you were already, you're already ready. You're like, I, I built up my tolerance. I'm ready for this. <laughs> yeah. And this is not a game I could have introduced to that group. They yes, would have been and, upset. Let me actually name it though. <laughs> Dominant yeah. Species Marine. This is the new version of Dominant Species. And as I said at the game night, one of the reasons I love that you brought this to was Dominant Species was one of our first games when we started really having game nights. And it's a very long game. As you said, Jonathan, you don't know how many games we actually finished. But <laughs> I think it was one that we still hold near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that they this new edition came out in having the chance to have this hit the table finally was fantastic. Both of the games revolve around you taking a group of animals such as reptiles and pretty much trying to prove you're the most dominant species. You're going to gain points through a variety of ways, usually scoring tiles through evolution, but there are plenty of other ways. Marine, if you can't guess the name has a bit more of an ocean theme going with it. And of course it does have a lot of tweaks to try to uh, speed up the game a bit more compared to its uh, previous counterpart. Uh, for example, this one only goes up to four players. There isn't as much switching that I recall from the previous game. And there's probably some other things too that I'm forgetting. But What do you it, mean by switching? Like, uh, I think there's more ways of switching player order and things like that. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that in the original Dominant Species, so it's essentially a, it's a worker placement game with, I guess, area control. Mm -hmm. um, but... In the, there's a big list of actions on the side and you place your workers on what you want to do. And the original game, you take turns placing your pawns, but everybody places all their pawns before any actions are done. Then you go down the list and resolve them. And in this game, you do the action as soon as you place the pawn, which definitely speeds it up a lot because that I mean, it's still present in this one, but in the original one, oh man, the analysis paralysis of like having to take into account like you just have no idea what's going to change before your next pawn is placed. And by the time you got to the resolution phase, like half your decisions might be, might've been made moot because the, just what other people did totally changed it, which was an interesting puzzle in and of itself. But I, I, I think it was a smart choice for trying to make the streamlined version to, to change that. Uh, but I don't know. What, what did you think about it? I, I loved it. I do think it is, a really long game. Yeah. Um, and I, by the way, I did technically win, but I only won because people got tired a little bit. I'm like, let's just see how this ends. Cause <laughs> if he spent like not even two minutes thinking, he'd be like, Oh, you're getting a lot of points. I'll just knock you off. No, no, you won fair and square. <laughs> you did a great job. Well, it was, I thought it was really exciting because I was in like a close second to the other player for most of the game and you were in like a distant third but you just got all these big point swings uh right at the end because there is some scoring stuff before the end of the game and i really like that that's possible in this game that you can you can come back or maybe even not just come back but like because you might be planning to get most of your points at the end so it might look like you're not in the running but you really are uh, which we usually like, especially in a game with a point tracker, sometimes it's just really obvious who's winning. I mean, because, you know, it's it's there. You can look at their token. <laughs> but right. I don't think that's the case with this game. No, I mean, I was, oh, uh, to make a point across, the, like most games, 
the scoreboard, the point trackers, you know, the edge of the board. This is a very long board. There was a point when I was near on the same side as the start, and you guys were all the way on the other side. <laughs> you know, it was a very big gap, and I was like, probably not going to come close, but I'm still having fun evolving and doing all this weird stuff. And weirdly enough, did not use my power. Pretty much did not come into play for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think that was more poor planning on my part. I, I recognize, and it's one of those games that happened first time. I will say with this game, this there's a new category I want to pick. You know how when people say like, oh, you got to watch past the first episode and you'll see how good it is? <laughs> of a TV show, yeah. Yeah. This falls into that with games. Not because like it's, I would say, like boring or something. It's just that those first, the first half of the game, just because you're not sure how everything interacts or works, there is going to be a bit more analysis paralysis, but, and I think you'd agree with me. When we got to the second half, we were going at a very good pace. Yeah. Like I, I did not think even like when there were some very difficult choices, it did not feel like nearly as long as the turns when we first started. I think that if you were had a couple games under your belt, you could play this in around two hours. Oh uh, yeah. Which is pretty reasonable compared to the original, which I don't think you ever could under three. Right. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like if you give it, and I still enjoyed it in that beginning time too. It's just that the the big that was my biggest issue were those stretches, you know, the, and turns. But yeah. those shrunk as we were like, okay, I know how this game's the flow of this game is. Yeah, yeah, it definitely yes, it, it, it will get better as it goes on. It is still a pretty heavy long game for sure. Um, I, I yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I don't really feel a strong need to go back to the original um and and it's which is not to say that i think the original is invalid and i do think they're different enough that you could play both and and maybe you know for instance the original also goes up to six players so maybe mm-hmm. if you have more players you might want to do that but but the thing is i just feel like because i never felt like i feel like we could get through this in a reasonable amount of time and still get the exact same experience i'd want yeah even even if even with length not even being an issue i i didn't really i didn't feel and it's been a long time since i played the original so maybe if i tried it again i might remember some things but i didn't feel like i was missing anything i didn't feel mm-hmm. like oh but i don't have that my favorite thing from that game um i think I, all the changes they made were for the best i also brought up that since you don't have it's not like reptiles always act the same way there are customizations there's a deck right the like um, you do the the powers in this game are randomized each time but I think because of that, if you have a lot of games in your belt, you probably could be like, all right, let's try a game with these powers. Like maybe because you feel like certain powers are stronger or weaker or something. So because of that, I think you can also shift it a bit more to your liking, yeah. I guess. And I think that's a good thing here. Yeah. Um. So yeah, overall, I was like super happy with it. Had a lot of fun. And yes, I won, but like I wasn't sure. And even at the end, when I was like, "Oh God, I don't know if I'll ever catch up unless something happened." Like, "Oh, it happened." I was still like, "Well, let's see what goes on." Like, it just felt like it, I, I was still having fun and trying to think of weird ways around it, and especially those pawns. Because I gotta tell you, you could have a lot of fun instead of just putting all your pawns and just going through. The weird things you can do, like I'm actually gonna bump you off and give you a pawn back, and then we're like. Oh, he hates that actually. <laughs> yeah, your yeah, your pawns are your workers and yeah, there's there's it can be interesting interplay with 
some of the special pawns that allow you to like go knock people out of their spots. And yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Even for you, remember, you're like, I have half the special pawns and I shouldn't use them, but I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's another thing is just, there are definitely a few spate like actions. None of us were really utilizing that. I feel like if we played three or four more games, I bet we would start using those. There's a, there's a lot that I feel like we're not tapping into. I do love uh, like when you guys like, man, we were not that mean. I'm like, I killed off both like half of each year's species by round in the second turn. Yeah, but that was really all you did. Like that's true. Other than and that was because of a card, wasn't it? Yes, I bought a card that that pretty much let me move everyone from one space. So I moved everyone off the starting space. So before (laughs) food can be matched, I'm like, I wasn't even thinking when I first did them. Like, okay, here you guys go, and you're like, oh, you killed us. Right. But nobody after that, no, like there's two spaces on the board that are kind of made for PVP mm-hmm. and, and none of us really use them that much. Um, yeah. And that was just an example of early on, you know, me not really keying in remembering the fact that I need to match elements for my species to survive. All, uh, all I know is for me, those kinds of spaces I'm always wary about because they are, they definitely paint a target on you. You're like, oh, you're the one who's going PvP. Maybe. Well, it depends, you know? it depends on your group, uh, I suppose. Oh, yes, it's all, a lot. Yeah. Because then everybody, so, if everybody's going PvP, hey, that's just how it is. That's um, true. And I, yeah, I think my my biggest issue with the game still is the fact that even though it's, I loved. Oh, we don't know. You can't tell who's going to win. You technically can tell who's going to win if you want to take 15 minutes to calculate it. Yes, all in your head. <laughs> there aren't hidden goals. But so, but because- I mean, there are things that can change, but like there's a lot of information that you could calculate it if you wanted to that would significantly add to the downtime of the game. Right. I mean, that's a, that. I mean, I think it was a little bit easier, but like I said, if the guy actually was like, all right, what, how many points is Will going to get? Oh, that's a lot. You know, but I also think, unlike what you said, 15 minutes, he could have seen that in a minute. Like, mine was very obvious. Maybe. I couldn't well, have. <laughs> well, mostly because he could have been like, oh, I can ki- I can take, like, 20 points from you in one action. Mm. That yeah. was really the thing. He, like, he didn't need to even calculate all, just knowing he could have taken out a possible threat. But, yeah, that's one of the problems, I think. And I think that's more of a just, like, look, man, we're in the final round. Just do it if you think he's going to catch up to you or not. Maybe. Right. Um, also, I guess the other thing with this game is uh, it's a Euro game. <laughs> it's, oh, got, yeah. it's got your pieces are cubes. <laughs> you know, uh, it's 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 somewhat thematic. Uh, a lot of the cards like have cool thematic text and they kind of they make sense when you when you read about what they're doing. But you're looking at a board of hexes and cubes. You know, uh, you're looking at actions that are just a word with a space next to it. It's not the most visually engaging game in the world, but that's probably for the best for the amount of stuff you have to take into account uh, with it. It's one of those things. I feel like a lot of worker placement games have this where the actual rules of the game, like when you break it down are it's place upon do the action. Like it couldn't be simpler. Do what the action says, but because there are like 15 of them and you have to intimately know (laughs) what they all do and when is the right time to take them. Well, not only that, it's such a brain burner. They're in an order. And if I put my pawn on action three, for example, I can't do action one and two anymore. So you're like, 
do I give up action one or two? You have three. to you have to figure out every possible move in advance. <laughs> it's a little it's a little nuts, but you know, like anything, you get the hang of it. Uh, so, dominant species marine. I'm definitely excited to try more of it and finish more games of it, uh, as opposed to the original one, which we played a lot of three quarters of the way and got tired. Now, um, as we mentioned last week, I had a little retreat and was playing some games with some friends, and I have a few more of those to talk about that I didn't get to. The first one is Star Wars Unlock. So this is the Unlock escape room series of games, which use uh, an app and you're looking at different cards, entering codes, trying to solve puzzles. This version uh, is Star Wars themed, comes with three different scenarios in one box. uh, And in each one, you're playing a different, you might be, you're like a smuggler or you're a rebel or you're an Imperial soldier even trying to do different things and escape for different reasons, what have you all star Wars themed, not like, you know, mostly EU kind of stuff. There's no, um, you're not playing as Luke or anything. (laughs) You're like a guy and maybe Chewie shows up if you're lucky. Um, and, um, I, I tend to, as far as these escape room games go, as you know, I'm a, I'm an exit guy. I don't always, I think the unlocks have had some more misses than hits for us, but, I was, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I was definitely eager to try this out. And we played through all three of these, of these missions. And the first thing that you realize when you play these is, so they have uh, advantage cards. And at the beginning of each mission, you're supposed to choose three of the six just based on their title. And so it might be like droid specialist or something. And you'll go, oh, well, maybe a droid specialist will be useful. So we should take that with us on this mission. And then you reveal it gives you some kind of a power or ability, or at least that's what I thought. And it turns out what they actually are are basically just hint cards. (laughs) Um, Because I guess for a Star Wars game, they thought a lot of new players might be taking part in this and would need extra help. So immediately after the first game, we were like, we're not using these hint cards anymore because they just like help you with the answers. And the other thing about all these games overall that they have in common is that they're definitely on the easy side. Um, a lot of the cards will literally like they have bolded text and the bolded text is the important thing that you need to read that almost feels borderline insulting of them being like, maybe you should get the key from their teeth or something. You're supposed to look at the creature's teeth to find the key. That's just, I, that's not really I made that up, but like they don't, they all, sometimes they don't even give you a chance to try to solve them on your own, which it's, it's sort of annoying. Um, the and, and overall, the puzzles are, it's very linear. You know how in a most unlock games, it's like you've got like 15 items, 15 cards, and you're like throwing them around at each other. Like, where? what is this room? Are you in this room? Do you, do you think I could use that with this? Should we link these together or something? Uh, in this game, it's like, well, I have two items. I'm in one room. That thing needs an item. <laughs> I can I, let me take a shot in the dark and say I have to connect this with that. It's just much more linear, um, not nearly as sprawling. Uh, the the last one gets a little more complicated. It has like a map that you actually get to travel around, which was kind of cool. But it also had some, one puzzle that was like very convoluted and not in a fun or challenging way, but just like they didn't explain it very well. Um, so, sounds, over, yeah, I was just going to say this sounds pretty disappointing because I mean, I've had fun with some of the unlocks. Yeah, but. I mean, 
don't get me wrong. Like it was okay. And there are some fun, flavorful things. There's one moment that I really liked, which was when um, one player becomes a droid and they have to communicate using the app and the other players can just only have to interpret their droid sounds from the app and they can't talk to you. (laughs) That was a really fun thematic moment. Like, you know, it was, it was fine. Like if you like unlock games or star Wars, you'll get a kick out of it, but yeah, definitely not like the best things ever. I thought the, the second one where you're playing as smugglers was the strongest of the three scenarios. And if you maybe, and if you're really, if this is like your first escape room ever, it might be a great introduction to it because it has star Wars in it, but you know, just okay. I thought, um, yeah. And I, I think that's a interesting balance. And I'm really curious, like when you look at a, a property and bring into particular, like we've talked about this before, was it last week? God, everything is cool. <laughs> but who knows, you know, when, especially when it comes to unlocks and puzzles, like, you know, your shots homes, which aren't just mechanics. A lot of it is literally, do you think the puzzle's too hard or difficult? Like, and you know, when you add Star Wars or a license onto it, it's going to attract a lot of people who, who maybe are more likely to have never been like, I'm not a heavy escape room guy, but it's a Star Wars on it. So how do you balance that? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's not like there haven't been like heavy Star Wars games though. You know what I mean? Like, right. Most, in fact, most of the, like all the fancy flight Star Wars games are pretty heavy, but are they heavy? I guess I find it weird because I'm thinking those are heavy mechanics, but this is literally, I can't move further because I don't know how to solve a puzzle. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I think we're at a point where escape rooms are pretty mainstream. Mm-hmm. I mean, puzzle, as we've talked about in D&D a lot, puzzle difficulty is diff- sometimes a tough thing to manage. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's a it's a question that I can't answer. But I think if you're an unlock veteran, these might be a little bit disappointing. But if you're new to it and you like Star Wars, they'd probably be fun. And like I, said, I didn't like I didn't hate my time with them, but. They were just okay. Um, also played a couple of other licensed games, in fact. So really, these are three of my favorite licenses ever that I'm going to talk about. Uh, All right, hold on. Let me guess. Uh, we've got Rabbids. Uh-huh. I love the Rabbids. Uh, you got to love Rabbids. Uh, Resident Evil. Uh-huh. And for the last one, I'm going to have to go with uh, let's let's is this go worth with it? Is it... no it's not it is not let's just go on <laughs> no now i want now you have to finish it uh invader zim okay i don't know what the because some of these are things i like so i don't know if the joke was they're all things i don't like <laughs> no no i was going with things you like but i don't think are the thing are the mm. actual thing got it well anyway uh, i played the resident evil board game and the invader zim board game no not really um first i played the buffy the vampire slayer board game from jasco and lynn vander a cooperative game you're playing as characters from buffy and it's very much like a pandemic or arkham horror light sort of game where you're traveling around a board and trying to clear tokens before they uh get to Uh, messy and vampires are eating people or wounding characters and then they get added to a track and if the track fills up you lose and meanwhile the way it works is each player has a one action per turn and you can move or you can fight a vampire or something like that or you have a special ability each character has a special ability 
And uh, one of your actions is a special, when you use that special action token, you trigger an event card, which spawns new enemies. So you have to like kind of figure out when you want to do that, which I think is an interesting choice. I kind of, I kind of like that. I made the mistake, another mistake in a long line of mistakes of introducing the expansion that I have, which is new that I had never played with before um, with my friends who were playing the game for the first time because I haven't had the chance to play with it and I wanted to. And the expansion adds an extra sideboard. So there's now more spaces to go to and a new type of enemy token. So in the original game, there are vampires and demons and both of them try to kill townies. (laughs) Now there are soldiers. Soldiers will try to capture demons. And if they capture too many demons, uh, then that's another lose condition. Uh, So it's something that can help you. But if you sort of... Let it go on too long. Exactly. And they'll, they will also hurt you if they're, if they're in a space with you and they don't have any demons to capture. So it's another thing to manage. And there's this sort of interesting like rock, paper, scissors between all these different kinds of tokens. But for like new players and I also, you know, there are a couple of rules that like we forgot because you really have to go through a lot of during the enemy phase like, okay, soldiers move first and then they they move but then if there's something there they capture but and then if there's a vampire in that space this happens maybe the soldier just goes home if nothing's there but wait did i move that soldier already i can't remember is that demon supposed to be there and all these things that kind of make it a little bit convoluted um i i i I like this game but I, i the more i play it i do start to recognize that it's while there's a lot of fun kind of flavor elements in it if you're a buffy fan it, I don't think it is really my ideal Buffy board game. It's a little bit too... I think it's not a Meritrash enough, honestly. <laughs> like, it's a little too thinky. It's not... One of our players kind of complained because... So she got this cool, like, demon sword that kills demons artifact. But because this game is very kind of puzzle-like, the same way Pandemic is, how, you know, sometimes you have to be like, look in order for us to not die right now, like one of us has to to head down to Africa or something. Yes. You need to go to this space. You need to do this action and you, your actions feel very limited in this game. Like you really feel like you're, you're on a tight leash. Sometimes it's not as like, you can't just be like, I got the demon sword. I'm going to go slay some demons and have a good time. So that's a little bit of a bummer. I mean, I, I, so I, I do think it's a cool game and the expansion added a lot of like characters and fun stuff like that. Also, the whole thing of when you attack a demon, you have to do a skill check, which involves drawing a card and hoping the right symbol appears on it. And mm-hmm. if it's the wrong symbol, you have to start all over again. <laughs> Feels really bad. Uh, we had a character with the power of being able to look at the top three cards of that deck. So that was basically a, a lifesaver on that front. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel bad because it's Buffy and I like I want to play it more and I want people to play it with me and I want to love it. But this wasn't a great experience, partially just because of my fault of trying to do, I think, too many new rules at once. Uh, Now, then we also played Evil Dead 2, the board game. Also, this is from Lin Vander as well. They resurrected this game, if you remember. Uh. (laughs) That's right. Um, Which had been a canceled Kickstarter or a failed Kickstarter, and they brought it back. And the rules are totally different, though. It's like their own design. Um, you're, You're in the Evil Dead cabin. It's co op. 
you're trying to go around the board searching for these Necronomicon pages. There's stacks of item tokens. So you're hoping to find the Necronomicon pages. And if you find enough, you can submit them to this track and you win. But one of you might be a deadite. And if you're a deadite, you are taking the pages and putting them into an evil track. And then once you're revealed, you can be attacking players and summoning demons and cool stuff like that. And there's also generic deadites on the board. There's also boss monsters that appear and do crazy stuff. And this one I had a great time with. I My expectations weren't super high because, I, you know, again, I kind of just thought, you know, licensed game. I like the license. So I'll probably have fun with it. But it seems maybe a little generic. And uh, we really enjoyed it uh, mostly because in the last like two rounds of the game or so, was when one of our players became a deadite up. It's possible to not have a deadite in this, in this mm. game. So you might all be working on the same time team the whole time. Um, and <laughs> once again, this player was, they really didn't like it. Like they were unhappy about becoming a deadite and feeling like they, you know, worked hard and, uh, have to throw that away. Well, but, yeah, I mean, you've brought this up before. That's always one of the problems when you have a, um, a switch, like you know, mm. Battlestar or Betrayal, you know, when you sort of have to change gears almost to the exact opposite, you, 180. Yeah. No, I will say in this game, I kind of like it a bit better because in Battlestar, for instance, there's like one phase where it's kind of like, I just hope I don't get the card during that phase and then I can move on. In this game, there are at certain points you'll be required to make a check. And if you fail the check, then you have to draw a new loyalty card. And the loyalty card might be a deadite or it might not. So it's like always a constant threat. So if you really want to be a human, then you just have to like really make sure you don't have to make those checks as best you can. Or you have to just kind of play a little bit both sides maybe, which isn't my favorite thing. But for some reason, it worked for me. And me, me and the other player loved this ending because we were kind of going to win. Like it seemed pretty straightforward and it turned into this crazy final round of like struggling to squeeze out every action we possibly could to try to win. Ultimately both sides lost, which is if the deck runs out before either side achieves their goal, nobody wins. <laughs> and I loved it. I, I had a really fun time. Uh, it was really, I thought the reveal of the dead. I just worked perfectly. And this is definitely one I want to play play again. I, I feel like this, in a weird way, almost feels like a last night on Earth. Like this, I think this might be that for me the new go to zombie game that you don't have to think too hard about. Uh, you don't want a dead of winter, for for instance, but something still with some traitorous stuff going on and and just you know mindlessly hitting zombies a lot. Mm -hmm. It was cool, and there's some very cool minis in it. So I'm I was happy with it. I don't, we'll have to see, because I feel, and maybe this is me complaining, my usual stuff, if <laughs> if intentions are never obvious, like you're either with me or against me, to me that automatically puts it into a thinky game. Hmm. Like it's not brain dead. It, well, yeah, I, I'm not saying there's no thinking whatsoever, right. but the core mechanics are very simple. You you move, you pick up items, and you roll a die to attack a deadite. Um, Speaking, of, how do how do you feel though with the theme? Like, do you think it fits? Yeah, or yeah, it's it's pretty good. I mean, I I think they you know they they pretty much got 
the aspects that I would want. You can when you get the Necronomicon pages, you actually can cast spells if you hold on to them. Um, you can get the chainsaw. You can get a shotgun uh, that lets you do really cool stuff. You can get the Kandarian dagger um, and use it for special abilities. You know, if the layout of the cabin is pretty accurate. The bosses are really cool and also faithful to the movie. So yeah, I think th- I think they did it pretty well. Um, pr- probably closer to what I would want from this than the Buffy game did overall, honestly. Uh, I wish the characters don't have different stats, but they don't have like powers. I kind of wish they had something else to differentiate them. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. And I mean, in the movies, it's not like, you know, it's not like the thing or something, but there are, the deadites do possess people and you can become evil. So it is, it is appropriate. I do think that makes sense for the game. I, I mean, I guess if you wanted, you could just play without the deadite cards and <laughs> just like make, try to make it a little harder some other way. So you're always working together. But also, again, like so in a three player game, there are, I think, 12 loyalty cards and only one of them is a deadite. So I also it also made me feel better that it's like the odds are strongly in your favor that you won't become one. So it wasn't like, oh, man, at any moment, 50 50 chance I might turn which I, that makes me feel better too. I, I felt like I can mostly trust people and there's just maybe something will get thrown into the, to the works. Um, but I mean, we'll see if we got the chance to play. I definitely want to try it with more players. Obviously would be ideal and we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we think or what you think of it. And that's what we've been playing in table talk. And now I'm going to take a trip along with all of you to the meeple gallery Meeple Gallery. We're taking a trip to the Meeple Gallery. We are going to listen to a question from one of our meeples. And this week's question comes from Twitter, uh, from Twitter handle Tor at Bones and Banners, who I think we've heard from before. People send in, please send in your own Meeple Gallery questions. We want to hear from all of you. Um, And they asked, which board game would you like to see made into a TV series or feature film? This is something I know we've talked about uh, before, but not officially on the podcast. So, well, obviously, legendary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marvel. What's what's for real off the top of your head? What is what are some board games you would love to see adapted into a TV show or movie? Well, uh, I'm gonna go to the company that is the king of a uh, theme with Ameritrash, and that's gonna be Arkham Horror and Netrunner. Mm. Or Android, you, know. you might say. Sorry, Android. Netrunner <laughs> is the mecha- the card mechanic. That's right. But I think. They're both look really fun. You know, it's cyberpunk as well as, you know, Lovecraft, I think could use some more. I don't think it's overdone the the uh, TV show market just yet. Another good one, which is sort of jumping off from Android would be. And I just had it in my name and I just left. It's the RPG. I know they've done video games for it. Cyberpunk. <laughs> yes. No, not cyberpunk. No, but um, <laughs> thought you were Shadow Run. Is that what it is? Shadow Run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I love the idea of like, look, we have magic and stuff, but we're not going to make this like Harry Potter where they've refused to use technology. No, no, they, they're they're hacking and stuff now. Yeah, we're we mixed it all in. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, we are getting Dungeons and Dragons TV shows, and I do think that RPGs have so much freedom in them that they're a great jumping off point. For right in media. One of the great things about them, I mean, yes, for example, D&D does have specific stories, you know, of certain named characters. But 
overall, because RPGs are designed to let you be like, go where you want. It just feels like it allows us to tell much better stories. Like, look, Marvel shows are great, but you, there's only so much, you know, you can do with Loki, for example. Like, Loki, everyone, there's expectations for Loki or what even the companies like, Loki can only do these things. To but be fair, know, the, they are the company. So in that instance, they kind of have complete freedom. <laughs> They're not like right, licensing I mean, it to someone else. But even if they are the company, my point is like, they know like, because of what Loki or any character that's already been built up for so many years has to stick within this certain frame. Like, if you're like, we're making a new character, what what can they do? What Well, no one knows about them. So no one's expecting him like, oh, he has to be nice or mean or they have to find this sword or they can never do this or that. And I think that like, it, it, this is more just my like Batman, for instance, uh, maybe in a, in a, on a Harley Quinn show. <laughs> I was, I, I didn't know if I wanted to bring that up, but go ahead. We, no, 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 uh, we, we, we don't need to get into but it. Yeah. Just like even without that, this is just more of like, I think when I, we see like, we're doing a new movie, like a remake, it's like, why don't we just do a new movie? We don't need to do another version of, this has not been announced, but I'm sure they're they ever they're testing the waters of Back to the Future or something. Oh no, they won't. The writers will not let that happen until they die. They have said that before. <laughs> as soon as they die, though, like within a no, week, no, no. there's their estate might uphold it. I don't. I don't know how that. My works. point. My point is, you know how like they, we just keep like by doing something that really does not have any expectations. So what you're saying is they shouldn't adapt board games. <laughs> no, no, I'm like. Board game, no, I'm saying like role-playing games, even though they have maybe some named characters, they aren't so rigid. Like, you can make up what happens in San Francisco in like a Shadowrun world. Yeah. Like, you could be go really weird with it. And no one's going to be like, you went against the lore, you know, or yeah. like... We're some people will, but yeah. Oh, well, there's always some, <laughs> but there won't be nearly as many. I guess I just want uh, more risks. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I think that's I'm probably this is just my own yelling into the void and that's, sounding stupid. And... That's no, it's. I mean, it's pretty reasonable. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I. I feel like there's some, you know, specific examples that I might argue with. But I overall, I mean, yes, I think your point is valid. Yeah, we, obviously, we want we want a show where you don't. It's you can't predict what's going to happen or what they're going to do. Is usually I don't even mean want. like yes. There's that, and I, I think it's also just that the I know that the writers director don't have to go to an overboss and say, is this okay for your character? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a hard question for me to answer in some ways because so many board games are kind of just derivative of other things. Uh, I feel like there it's like, like well, the first thing I thought of was like, Oh, mice and mystics. But then immediately I'm like, well, they're making a Redwall TV show. That's pretty much what that is. Um, uh, you know, like a lot of things are just kind of pastiches, like, oh, Dead of Winter. Well, it's The Walking Dead, I guess. Like, Well, what about uh, Ticket to Ride? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've joked before about like, what would the Catan movie be, right? Of, uh, you know, how could you how could you make that work? I mean, if anyone's going to do this, it's Asmodee. Well, besides Hasbro, who's already doing it now. But if anyone besides them, we're going to see the... I think we are going to see, like we've seen the books series from them. We're going to see maybe Arkham Horror. Even that to me, though, is like, well, it's just Lovecraft. Like, it's not, 
it's not really a board game property. It's right. The difference, the reason why I felt love, uh, not Lovecraft, Arkham Horror is a, a bit fairer to mention is because they can see like, here's Roland Banks. Like they do have, that That's one does true. have That's true. people, which goes against everything I said before, but we don't really know anything <laughs> about them. Like if you read those books, they're, they're, they're not slate. like the most fleshed out characters. I guess a lot of anything with like a universe, like something like the above and below near and far series where they created a whole world for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of like kind of blank slate things that you could that you could use that would be cool. Terraforming Mars. How about that? Make a, Uh, Oh no, no, I got it. All right. Cryptids. No cryptid. It's singular. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. But it's all, it's pretty much all about trying to find the creature. It's like, it's going to be like rat race where it's just a bunch of different people running around. (laughs) We, you know, we just make it a comedy. Let's get Jim Carrey, uh, name some other comedians. Cause my mind just went blank. Jim Carrey. Jim, Jim Carrey. Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. It's actually all Jim Carrey. It's like the clumps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Gloomhaven is one I'm sure a lot of people would say. It's pretty obvious uh, with a big world and lots of cool now, creatures. I'm curious. Let's go with Gloomhaven. Would you have it be story of the Jaws of the Lion? Would you have it be Gloomhaven or Frosthaven or something completely different from all three? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jaws of the Lion is a pretty good setup. As long as you just have an excuse for four creatures to party together, <laughs> that's all. Well, yeah, and Jaws of the Lion actually has named people. Like, right. you don't swap around, so that one probably would be a little easier. That would be pretty good. I'll say and one more. Oh, yeah, go that ahead. That would allow for – because you know when it, these TV shows, they want spinoffs and stuff. Gloomhaven is very easy to spin off in. Right. Like, yeah. here's the Jaws, but let's find out what else is happening in Gloomhaven. That's your cinematic universe for a while. And one other I'll say is a board game and a role-playing game. How about Root? Like an animated series in that style about all the little critters on adventures and politics. And Could could we get the, the people who did Steven Universe to do it? I think that would be really cute. Um, No, I don't want them to do it. <laughs> Sorry. Pass. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> I I the decider. Uh, so there you go. There's a few. I mean, there's a there's a bunch. There's a bunch. Uh, thank you for the question, uh, Bones and Banners. If you want to send us a question from the Meeple Gallery, you can send us an email. Our email address is meeplegallery at gmail.com. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, let us anything you got in your mind, anything you want us to discuss like this about the world of board games. And if you want more Roll for Crit, well, you're in luck. You can find links to our YouTube content, uh, weekly live streams, merch, and other stuff at RollForCrit.com. You can support us on Patreon uh, to join our Discord server, chat with us there, or get more audio goodness in the form of our weekly audio expansion episodes. Mm. That's right. That's where we talk about not just more little board gaming tidbits, but maybe some of the other nerdier things we do, such as whenever a Marvel show ends up, we tend to do a very deep a discussion of our thoughts on it and i'm guessing just a, just a guess that this week there may be some uh video game announcement talk oh yeah perhaps 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 uh check that out at patreon.com slash roll for crit or you could even just rate and review us on itunes if you want to help support the show that also goes a long way and that's it that's it for the mm-hmm. episode uh thanks again to jamie stegmeyer for dropping by and joining us for the first part of the show And we hope that everybody listening enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week for more stuff. I'm Will. (laughs) I'm Jonathan. (laughs) And this has been the Roll for Crit podcast. 